Hi everyone, I'm Allie. And I'm Andy. And welcome back to another episode of Marianne and Wanda, your favorite book club and media podcast. And this week we have a doozy for you. Um, <laughs> but before we get into that, it is Thanksgiving week and I was hoping that I would be able to go record in person uh, with Andy. But we are still in fact about an hour and a half away as I sit in Carthage. But it happens. Well dang, maybe, maybe Christmas will be better. I don't know if you're coming back around Christmas. I, I will, of course. Okay, we'll make the, the last one we recorded around Thanksgiving was the Fiona and Jane. Yeah, wow, that was, was a good that book. Year. That's a whole year ago. Wow, yeah. <laughs> it's been a while since then. Well, what have you been up to this week? What's your plan for Thanksgiving? So we are going to South Carolina tomorrow morning, mm-hmm. and it hopefully we're going to leave at four a.m. I oh, hope. Oh God. Yeah, because well, we would really like Rosie to sleep in the car as much as possible. Oh. Uh, so if we leave early enough, if we leave at four, she'll probably sleep till six thirty, maybe seven, and by that what time we can be at the Bucky's in Rome, Georgia, because mm-hmm. that's our first stop. <laughs> <If we're, laughs> so hopefully we can make it that far, and then she can get out and walk around. Yeah. But also, I'm hoping we can make it to Atlanta before everybody starts getting crazy. Oh but yeah. If we leave at four, we should get to Atlanta around. Like nine like, or ten? Yeah, nine or ten, depending on stopping. So oh, plus an hour time change. That would be with the time change. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see. I don't know what to expect, but yeah, we're going to South Carolina, which is what we usually do for Thanksgiving. Which I, I'm glad we're going because my grandparents have both had some health issues this year and I haven't seen them since last Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And then I also, my, my grandma on my mom's side is also not doing well. So I don't know if my mom's even going to make it for Thanksgiving at my grandparents' know. house. It all depends. They're, they're not really sure what's going on with that grandma yet. Mm-hmm. So I think it's mostly just a mixture of old age and frailness. But... Yeah. I mean, it happens. This is what happens when you get old. Yeah. <laughs> not looking forward to that part. Yeah. <laughs> so. um... Yeah, I was over at my parents' house earlier, like, making up the bags of food for the horses and getting them all situated for our neighbor to feed them while we're gone. Okay. Yep, so that's what I've been doing mostly today. But I have to know, is your family a pumpkin pie family or a sweet potato pie family? Oh, good God. Um, This is always a big debate because I make a pumpkin pie pretty much for only one person, which is my mother. Um, (laughs) She's the only one who really wants it. And so we make, we make, I make a pumpkin pie every year. It's usually the Libby's recipe, um, just like the classic back of the can. Um, Mm -hmm. But I've also started branching out. So now we make three pies every year. And by we, I do mean me. Um, (laughs) uh, This year we're going with a lemon blueberry tart that Kate is not excited about, which is understandable. It's uh, maybe a little underwhelming. And then we're also going to do a uh, pecan pie. So the answer is, pumpkin pie we've never been a big sweet potato pie family and in fact i think the only time i ever remember when i was younger thinking about sweet potato pie was in that song you know that sweet potato pie and it shook my mind yeah it's definitely like a deep south dessert yes for sure and given that you know like my mom who we mostly spent time with um was from pennsylvania like we never really got that which is why like you guys do you guys do like dressing or stuffing with corn like what what's your stuffing so, base yeah my i like the stovetop stuffing but nobody else 
eats that. Also, nobody else in my family likes pumpkin pie except for me, so I'm very sad that okay. they're not going to have it just for me. Uh, uh, I'll drop off a slice on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah, my grandma makes, like, four or five sweet potato pies, usually. Good and then God. a couple of those, well, she makes them because one aunt says she has to have one to go. The other aunt says she has to have one to go. Oh. So they take a whole pie with them when they leave. Okay, I see. <laughs> but, yeah, they, they're all sweet potato pie, which it's good. I like it. And the only time I eat it is at Thanksgiving, but... I wish somebody liked pumpkin pie. So the stuffing, actually, it's called dressing, but I use the word interchangeably, but I know that's not really correct. My grandma's dressing okay. is what she calls it. And it's more like it's it- more like cornbread consistency almost. Like it's very bready, yeah. but it has egg in it. And does she put like sausage in there or sage? No, no, there's no um there's no meat in it. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I don't really know what all is in it besides I know there's chunks of hard-boiled egg. Ew. And, I mean, they're small, though. And then it's more like a like a cornbread consistency, like crumbly bread. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm just yeah. wondering, because that sounds disgusting to me. I like, <laughs> don't want hard-boiled eggs in my stuffing dressing. Um, but I will say, I wonder, like, how much of this is just influenced by the fact that I grew up with, like, we put our stuffing into the bird if possible and it's made out of bread and like celery and onions and then just like an absolute bonkers amount of butter um <laughs> which is what makes it taste good yeah, yeah we did ours in the turkey it's so much better that way because then like the turkey juices get absorbed into the stuffing and so it's like i think we often like take it out of the turkey and then bake it a little bit longer to dry it out for a second Mm-hmm. But it's got all them good turkey juices in it. And it's like, it's the best. My mom pulls the turkey out of the oven. And like the first thing I do is take a fork and just sample a little bit of the stuffing. Yeah, you got to do a poison test. Poison. If I so drop dead, then nobody year, else can eat it. <laughs> yeah, this year my dad is doing, we normally do our turkey in the oven too. Mm-hmm. But this year my dad is doing not deep fried. It's the same process as deep frying one, except it's no oil. So what's he cooking it in? Is he boiling a turkey? No, no. It's it's in like a deep fryer cooker. Yeah. Outside. It's in the same thing. There's just no oil in it. Oh, so he's like air frying it essentially. It, essentially, yeah, air frying it. My huh. my dad's uncle has one of those special pot things. He's like, it looks like a deep fryer. Huh. Like you normally deep fry a turkey outside. Looks the same, just no oil. Interesting. Well then so, it sounds a lot safer. we'll see i mean it could be good or it could be gross well that's true but at least you probably won't burn down the house with hot oil that way (laughs) okay i think that's enough enough thanksgiving shenanigans yes but we are uh just so you guys know we're very thankful for our listeners um so please continue listening and you know share the show with those who you also love uh this holiday season yeah because we enjoy doing this yes um (laughs) and what do we enjoy talking about today andy i believe you chose this book our book for the month is A Flicker in the Dark by Stacey Willingham, and I chose this one not really having a whole lot of information about it, but one of my friends said it was very good, so I took her word for it. I think it was great, but we'll get into it. So a little bit of quick background on Stacey Willingham, if you aren't sure of who she is, but she's still a fairly new writer, mm-hmm. but she she's had a work history in the writing industry. Um, 
But anyway, so she got her Bachelor of Arts in magazine journalism from University of Georgia. And then she got her Master's of Fine Arts in writing from the Savannah College of Art and Design. Okay. Yeah, Savannah, I forgot for a minute what it stood for. Savannah College of Art and Design. I, I was like, I know what that A and D stands <laughs> for. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's down on the coast, Georgia, near like um, Tybee Island, I think, and mm-hmm. Savannah's on the coast. So in that area, she got her master's. Um, she currently lives in Charleston, South Carolina, and she has never lived in Louisiana, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, I was listening to an interview she did, and she <laughs> she was just like, yeah, she was like, yeah, you know, like a lot of the South is, is similar, you know, it's all the deep South, but then, you know, there's very different things that happen in Louisiana um, than what happened in like Georgia and South Carolina, which is where she's been. And so she was like, yeah, I'm like pulling a lot on my personal experiences, like my general thoughts about the area, but I've never really lived there. Yeah. Um, also, Louisiana, I think, has the highest number of serial killers. So checks out that she would write it based in Louisiana. Uh, I'm sorry. Are you saying like by state? Yeah. Like if you look up the history of serial killers in the U.S., most of them, not most of them, but the highest number of them are from Louisiana. That's or Louisiana has the highest number of serial killers who were from that state. Oh, wait, no, Andy. Is this per capita or in general? I don't know. <laughs> I heard it on Crime Junkie, okay? Okay. <laughs> okay. I think it's per capita. I mean, California's had nearly 1,800. And oh. Louisiana is, like, really far down this Okay, well, I take it back. Crime Junkie did me dirty, I guess. Maybe they didn't. How many? What's, how do you spell Louisiana? <laughs> they have 344. I bet it's per capita. Okay, maybe so. Anyway. Oh, this is total victim. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> They've got a lot of serial killers down anyway, there. Yeah, so it did not surprise me that she had it set in Louisiana. Yeah, so and I, had- I always love things set in Louisiana. I'm a big fan. Okay. So she worked as a copywriter and a brand strategist prior to writing, but that was still in the writing industry. I don't know what company she was a copywriter for. So A Flicker in the Dark was her debut novel, and it was released in 2022. It was an instant New York Times bestseller, and it's been translated into 30 languages. And I looked on her Instagram. Every time the book is translated into a new language, it gets a different cover on Mm -hmm. the a different design cover and she was for a while posting like oh here's the hungarian version here's the romanian version here's the brazilian version and like all the different covers back to back to back it was really pretty looking oh yeah i yeah i saw a few of the pictures they're like all very well designed i think mm-hmm. also how do you come up with 30 different designs <laughs> no, that's not my job yeah <laughs> i like to say graphic design is my passion but i think we all know that's not true <laughs> the book is actually going to be an adaptation of a tv show coming soon Mm. which i think is supposed to be coming on hbo max once it's finished but it's still in the works so that could maybe change but from what i read i think this was on imdb emma stone's production company that she co-owns with somebody else is the one they are the ones who like bought the rights to it and so they're they're in the process of converting it into a tv show yes and i heard um in the same interview she said it was hbo max emma stone's production company which we should have looked at the name for um and then a24 is the studio that's going to do it um, which is going to be like if you've seen any of their movies recently like it should be very well done um and 
And then I also saw that uh, the screenwriter is Morgan Gold, which um, is only notable because she was on staff for the Amazon's remake of A League of Their Own, which was pretty good. I will not be watching that if it comes out. No shade to Stacey Willingham, but I just can't handle visual scary stuff. Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Like, after knowing how this book ends, I don't think I could handle it. I would have nightmares. (laughs) (laughs) But I like listening to like podcasts and audiobooks and stuff like that, but I just can't handle like a movie representation or TV show. <laughs> yeah, that's very funny. Yeah. And so since A Flicker in the Dark was written, she's written two more books. All Things Dangerous came out last year. Uh, no, actually, it came out this year in 2023. And then she has another book called Only If You're Lucky that will be released January of 2024. So that's a quick turnaround to be cranking out a new book every year. Yeah. Um, and I think the second one, All Things Dangerous, was also another like thriller mystery. And then if I was reading correctly, um, Only If You're Lucky is um, like a darker take on female friendship. So I'm actually kind of interested to read that one, too. Um, so it's mm-hmm. it's already on my list. Um, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I looked up the second one, All Things Dangerous, to see if it was a sequel to A Flicker in the Dark, but mm-hmm. it's totally different characters. Yeah. So it's not. I kind of wish it was a sequel, but that's okay. Oh, it happens. Yep. So that is the quick background on Stacey Willingham. Um, and just to give you a quick rundown, I mean, you, if you haven't read this book, you really should because we're about to go through a whole bunch of spoilers. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> like a whole bunch, like huge warning. I know that normally we do, but like this book has noted twists and we're about to talk about those. So just keep that in mind. And it was very good and a very quick audiobook listen. So you should go do that and then come back. <laughs> Um, yeah, so just as a quick rundown, um, the story follows psychologist Chloe Davis, who did not have a nice, normal, conventional childhood. She was born and raised in Brobridge, Louisiana, and her life was turned upside down when, the summer she was 12, her father murdered six girls from around town, and she found a box of trophies in his closet to prove it. Um, the story follows Chloe some 20 years later as she tries to fight off memories of the original tax while figuring out what's happening in her life now is there a connection between her murdered patient and her fiance's never found sister who exactly can chloe trust Um, (laughs) uh, yeah and so it's like essentially like 20 years after the first set of murders there's a copycat maybe or somebody else who's come into town and is uh, seemingly targeting her a second time and i talked to andy last week uh when I was about like a quarter of the way through the book and you were like 75% of the way through the book, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, I want to make a bet on how this book ends because I was like, I know how this is going to go. <laughs> and so I did, I had us both write it down. Okay, I wrote down, I'm 73% through the book. I think Daniel is the murderer. Mm-hmm. I first thought this at the engagement party when Cooper was saying he got a weird feeling about Daniel, which... For those that haven't read it, that was like in the first 10% of the book, I think. It almost starts out at the engagement party. I'm at the point in the book where she, uh, Chloe has found Aubrey's necklace in the closet, thinking Daniel hid it there, but then it's Mm -hmm. gone the next morning. So she's not sure if she imagined it or if it was real. Chloe is about to go on her bachelorette trip at this point in the story. No, alleged bachelorette trip. trip. (laughs) So that was where I and I thought that all the way from the very beginning, the engagement party was happening. And Cooper was like, I just get a weird feeling about this guy. 
I was like thinking to myself, okay, Daniel knows who Chloe is, like who her past is and all that. And essentially is the copycat. So yeah. that was my prediction from the very beginning. Wow. That's a hot take. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which I think that's what Stacey Willingham wanted you to think for most oh, of Yeah, for sure. Like based on, because I think particularly when um, Chloe found the necklace in the closet, you were <laughs> supposed to immediately be like, oh, okay. I see what's happening here. But I, in like the same scene, um, so that was your take at 75%. A quarter of the way through, all I wrote down was unreliable narrator and then Cooper did it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I was right. It like, I was thinking it through and what really got me thinking about it was when, um, I think it was at the engagement party, Cooper said something like, you never really know someone, you can never really trust someone. And I was like, Cooper, that sounds like you got some personal experience in this because you're the murderer. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm so glad I was right because I wrote that down and then I like thought about it and I was like, oh, I'm going to be so far off and Andy's going to make so much fun of me because you would ask me like how far into the book I was. And so I was like, oh, maybe I like haven't actually seen the character who's done it yet. And I'm already saying I'm going to call it. Um, no, but- I- I was only asking that because it was like right away that I had formed my prediction. Yeah. I was wondering if you had already made a prediction at that point too. So early on. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I, yeah, it was still like, nonetheless, even like while I was thinking that um, the whole time that was like in the back of my mind, I still think Willingham did a really good job of like, still leading us down different paths and like I was doubting it the whole time yeah and I still enjoyed the twists um I think the end like the explanation part with her and her brother when he was like talking through everything maybe was drawn out a little bit but like overall I think it was well developed I liked the setting like pretty good um even though I saw it coming (laughs) yeah I I like that there were a lot of different possibilities and Mm -hmm. so like it seemed up, up front that oh, it has to be Daniel because who else would hide the necklace in the closet and who else would be kind of, um, a lot of times, like if your family says, oh, I just get a weird feeling about that person. Most of the time you trust your family. Sure. That type of thing. There was a lot of things pointing the finger at Daniel, but then later on you start to point the finger at Aaron or somebody else or whatever. And there just was so many possibilities of like, oh, well maybe it couldn't be Daniel. Maybe it could be somebody else. And then she starts to question whether or not she's like mentally insane from all this trauma she's had. And it's like, maybe we haven't realized yet that she's actually doing it when she's taking all these drugs. And <laughs> yeah, that was the other possibility that I like kind of secretly really wanted to happen was that she just like was having blackouts from all the drugs she was taking. Mm-hmm. And she um, was doing it and not remembering. Yeah. But then um, I really thought that like it had to, there had to be a direct connection to the original murderer. Um, And so like she was 12 when it happened and I was like the, the original like Lacey and everyone's murder. And so I was like this, it couldn't have been her. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I was kind of hoping that would, but that's one of my first questions actually is about her addiction because um, to me, I think that that's what fed a lot into me, like not thinking it was Daniel and not trusting how she was explaining everything. Mm-hmm. just because um she was addicted and i think that sometimes when you take um these different medicines when you're not like you're not taking on a regimen as prescribed by a doctor i think that like it, it, it to me it felt like she could just be seeing everything wrong and then like jumping to connections that just weren't there and so like uh, to me like the addiction really added a lot to the story but also made me doubt her a lot 
Yeah, I also fully expected her to get arrested at some point for writing fake prescriptions. Like, when yeah. saying that she had Daniel's fake Xanax prescription in her purse, mm-hmm. thinking, like, it's going to fall out when she goes to identify Lacey's body and, like, the cop's going to see it. Or, like, something would happen mistakenly and then her get found out for writing fake prescriptions. So I, I fully thought that the, um, the inclusion of the different pills in the story was going to lead to her getting arrested at some point. But also, like, I feel bad for her for having so much psychological trauma and always being on edge, always thinking that somebody's, like, behind her, always watching her back and always feeling afraid. Like, no wonder she takes pills, and I don't really blame her. But at the same time, like, yeah, you need some professional help. Yeah. I was kind of expecting her to go to rehab or something um, Mm -hmm. to help with it. Like that being her, not punishment, but like her, yeah, her comeuppance for um, illegally prescribing pills. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. But I think that her trauma, like, really also affects Chloe, obviously. Um, But one of the questions I got from the reader's guide from the publisher from this um, is... Chloe is a trained psychologist. However, due to the trauma she has experienced, she has a hard time taking her own advice. In fact, she often ends up putting herself in dangerous situations trying to figure out what happened to the missing girls. Like, do you ever think she went too far? Like, do you think that her trauma was definitely just like what was pushing her to do all of this investigation and just clouded everything that was happening? I I wrote that down too. Um, Like, if you ever thought her looking into the investigation herself was going too far, I think she tried to justify it. Like, I was the one who was able to catch the bro bridge killer 20 years ago. So maybe I can do it again, or maybe I can help uncover the truth to, to catch this killer or something like that. Like, I think she put too much responsibility, I guess, on herself of like, I have to help figure out who did it. But then Mm -hmm. also her being so convinced that it has to be somebody connected to her father. And she felt guilty for that. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, but I think she did go too far. Yeah, she went like way too far. I think I was trying to put myself in these shoes to be like, well, okay, like how involved would I be in this situation? But I I do think, yeah, she like definitely tried, yeah, too much, just like inserted herself in um, when they were like walking through the cemetery looking for the the girl. And like altogether, I think that it probably would have been better in the long run if she just like given all this information that she was getting to the detectives and like hoped for the best which i know like our justice system isn't great but um yeah i like she was definitely going too far and she put herself in situations that she would never tell a client to be in you know oh yeah and starting out like given her history of her father killing well allegedly her father killing all these girls when she was young i could see how she would want to be involved in um a search party when they were looking for aubrey's body like wanting to help out and and be part of the community and help find the girl but then after that and then like Lacey her client going missing everything after that was like okay you've gone too far like you need to let the police do their job yeah exactly yeah stepped over the line yeah for sure like way far (laughs) also I mean I guess I understood why the police wanted her to come identify Lacey's body but also it's kind of weird that they wanted her to do it and not like a family member or whatever well, I mean, she wasn't identifying the body, right? Well, she yeah. was. She was just supposed to go see if something was different because she was the last person who really saw her. 
Yeah, but also her mom drove her to the appointment. So, like, I would, if I was the police guy, I would have been like, let's get the mom in here. She would know. Oh, right. Uh, I thought you meant Chloe's mom. And I was like, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? No, Lacey's mom dropped yeah. off at Chloe's office, which would have been like a few minutes before Chloe saw Lacey. So, like, the mom probably would have also seen whatever Chloe would have seen. Fair enough. But, you know, different people notice different things. But I think in general that that would have been very unorthodox for the police to bring you into a dead body like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, well, I guess at that point she wasn't sure that they knew who she was. But even Also, that was a very interesting plan of hers to just be like, okay, well, like, I hope the detective doesn't realize that I was the one who found um, the earring in the cemetery. And now this girl's gone missing from my office. That's just like, you have to come clean about that as soon as it happens, because otherwise you're just going to look so guilty. Yeah, like in any situation, because <laughs> there's like no good reason to, to keep that to yourself. Yeah, like, come on, Chloe, you have a you have a doctorate degree. Let's think through this and go turn in, turn in the earring and let them know I was there. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they won't know. Well, yeah, and I think that that was definitely, again, like how her trauma was affecting the whole situation, but. Mm hmm. I want to know if you think, and it might have said this and I don't remember exactly, do you think that Cooper knew that his mom knew the secret? Okay, here's my question to you. (laughs) Do you think that her mom actually tried to kill herself and that that was a suicide (gasps) attempt? Because I thought, so in my mind, because the author brought up that women typically don't do um, violent means of death, like they think about who has to clean up the mess, essentially. Um, which men don't do, which we're not surprised about. Um, But like, so it would be very unorthodox for her to have slit her own throat like that. So to me, like I thought that it was definitely Cooper knew and he tried to kill his mom and stop her from talking. And then that's how she ended up um, in the assisted living place. So yes, I think that Cooper knew and he actually did try to kill her. Okay. So real quick though, she didn't slit her throat. She hung herself because remember the beam broke. Okay. But there was a scar on her throat? Is that what it was? I uh, Yeah, maybe there was a scar. Maybe just from, like, whatever she was using. Was it a belt that she used to hang herself? No, I really thought that she tried to kill herself with the knife. Uh, okay. We don't, don't know, regardless. That one. But either way. Yeah. Committed suicide, allegedly. I didn't even yeah. think about that, that Cooper could have been the one responsible for her death. I thought that maybe Cooper didn't know that his mom knew. But then also, I thought it was very misleading when, which I guess was Willingham's intention, when Chloe went to see her mom in the um, assisted living home and she got out the little Scrabble tiles Mm -hmm. trying to spell out, like, do you know something about these girls' disappearances? Mm -hmm. And she thought that her mom was trying to spell out Daniel, but really she was trying to say dad. Like, your dad. Like, why wouldn't you just spell out Cooper? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. I don't know why she chose to go through dad. Like, maybe, you think maybe she was worried about Chloe, like, trying to confront her brother. And so was like, please go talk to your dad first before you try to do something. Yeah, could be. (laughs) That made me mad later on. I was like, "Ah, mom, why didn't you just spell out C? (laughs) (laughs) Start with a C. No, I, yeah. To me, I think that she had to have, she had to have. Well, he had to have known, and she definitely knew, right? Because, um, yeah, it said that the mom knew because when, when she and Chloe came back from the police station from turning in the jewelry box, 
Chloe went to her room and the mom and dad talked for a minute. And that was supposedly when the dad told the mom mm-hmm. that it was Cooper. Which is wild. Yeah. Yeah, that he just like kind of put all of Cooper's trophies in his closet. And then like his parting words were to stare Cooper in the eyes and just be like, be good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, dad. Like that will surely keep the serial killer from killing more people. Right. I don't know about that one. That was an interesting plan on the parents' part to, like, try and cover it up and just let them continue living. Yeah, I'm wondering if you would have taken the blame for your child like like their dad did. Yeah, I think we've talked about this before, and I have, like, a hard time putting myself in those shoes because I don't have a kid. But I think for something like murder like this, I really don't think I could. Yeah, I don't think so either. Like, if it were justifiable in some way, maybe. But, like, just being a serial killer, I don't think so, no. Yeah, no. (laughs) There's got to be a line somewhere. I'll still love you. I'll come visit you, but... (laughs) Oh, no, you're right about Mona. I'm sorry. I've been Googling quietly. You're right. She did try to hang herself. I thought she tried to slit her own throat. I only remember that because I know it said that the beam in the closet that she was hanging herself by was broken. Oh, okay. So then maybe Cooper didn't try to kill her. I mean, that doesn't change a ton, but... He could have told her, we're going to stage this, or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, one thing that I was a little unclear about, I'm skipping ahead to Aaron slash Tyler. Please do. Um, so, I want to know how Cooper and Aaron slash Tyler connected Chloe to Aubrey Gravino, because neither one of those two guys was there with Chloe and Daniel when they toured the venue, which is when Chloe saw Aubrey on their porch. So, like, to pick Aubrey out as someone connected to Chloe, I thought that was a bit of a stretch for Cooper and uh, Aaron. I'm just going to call him Aaron. For Cooper and Aaron to connect Chloe to Aubrey because they wouldn't have known that Aubrey was there when they toured the place. But, like, they were... Cooper was at the engagement party and saw Riley and mm-hmm. Cooper or Aaron could have seen Lacey going in and out of Chloe's office. But I thought the connection to Aubrey was a little too stretched. I guess that they, the two of them must have just been like stalking Chloe a lot because um, that was also uh, Lacey's, not Lacey's. No. Yeah. Lacey's abduction from her office. That was her first visit to the office, too. So it wasn't like a regular patient either. So in my mind, I guess that I just kind of assumed that Tyler or Aaron had been committing all of his time to this anyway. And so um, I had just been stalking her and then just happened to see that girl at the venue and like chose her at random because she was somewhat connected. Yeah. Yeah. Because at first, even Chloe was like, I don't know who Aubrey is, but then she was able to put it together. So it seemed like the connection of Aubrey was pretty far-fetched to begin with but yeah but yeah and especially to like try to blame like their final goal of like trying to blame this on Daniel and getting him out of the picture like uh it seems like it would be even more tenuous to him too so like yeah I think you're right but I definitely by the way he was traveling around so much it would have been so easy for them to not blame it on him, I guess, but for her, for Chloe to have the doubt about Daniel the whole time, just because he'd been gone so much, you know? Yeah, like, it definitely fit when she was trying to, like, play it out on her head, like, well, I don't know where he is at all these different random times for so many days at once. Mm-hmm. I also yeah. thought, though, too, about when Lacey was abducted, 
do you, do you think so Aaron called Chloe for the first time when she's at her office the same afternoon or evening that Lacey was abducted so do you think that like Lacey walked out of the office Aaron snatched Lacey she's in his car and then he calls her <laughs> okay <laughs> was, I guess so <laughs> was she already dead by then because supposedly all of um like Aubrey and Lacey and Riley were taken back to Chloe's childhood home mm-hmm. to kill them and then their bodies are dumped later but from what we hear when she's driving to her childhood home it's not like right around the corner it's like 45 minutes away or something yeah because so, they're in Baton Rouge and then her home was in Brobridge yeah so <laughs> if Aaron snatches Lacey has to drive 45 minutes at that point like Lacey's either in the car still alive when he calls Chloe like hi I'm from the New York Times mm-hmm. or she's already dead and like probably with him right then mm-hmm. I would imagine yeah definitely probably still abducted in the car did we ever get details on like the the murders themselves because I know that part of the reason why Cooper was getting Aaron to do these copycats uh he like was giving himself I guess somewhat of an alibi while Aaron was doing all these other things do you think that Cooper was involved in like the actual killing at the house? Do we do we get any info on that? I don't know. And I don't know if he would have been there like telling Tyler or Aaron, Tyler, whatever. Okay, do this next. Wrap your hands around their neck in this way. Squeeze yeah. for this long. Like if he was coaching him through it or if he just said, you need to go pick up Aubrey or you need to go abduct Lacey and like finish it out. Like I don't yeah. know how involved he was, but I kind of imagined – Cooper being at their childhood house, like making sure it actually gets taken care of. Yeah, I think so too. Like they, he definitely had to have been involved in the killing too. Maybe not in the abductions themselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think yeah, in the actual killing, yes. But I also wondered if maybe he had Aaron be the one to actually do it because the murders that happened when Chloe was twelve. The police were able to identify that the finger marks around those girls' necks were all consistent, so they knew it was the same person. Mm. And I wonder if Cooper had been the one to kill Aubrey and Lacey with the same finger marks, if the police would have been able to connect it and be like, oh, we got the wrong guy in jail for those murders 20 years ago, or or why he had Aaron slash Tyler carry them out, other than Tyler just like also being sick in the head and wanting to know what it was like yeah i'm not sure because i know that like you could probably get approximate hand size from bruises around a neck but I, I can't imagine you'd get like enough forensic evidence to directly tie someone just based on the hand unless there were like rings or some other identifying mark that went with it you know i i don't know enough about it to know if that's possible or not which is mm-hmm. why i'm not sure <laughs> i yeah i don't i think that Going back to when the murders from when she was a 12-year-old and Cooper was only 15, Mm -hmm. I'm, like, slightly shocked, I guess, that Cooper was able to, like, uh, like cart around these dead bodies and abduct these people. Um, Like, I know most of the girls were his age or younger, so they, like, weren't necessarily, like, like, I guess they weren't huge, I guess, is what I'm going for here. But I, I was a little bit surprised that there wasn't more of an age gap or that Cooper was a little bit older because it seems shocking to me that a 15-year-old would be able to do all of this. Yeah, it did say Cooper was abnormally big for his age. Mm-hmm. 
but I guess it could have happened, but yeah, definitely close in age makes it a little less believable. Yeah. And I was also surprised because Chloe had seen Cooper. Um, she'd assumed it was her dad, but she'd seen Cooper come out with like the shovel from the woods. Um, and so I'm also a little bit surprised that he was able to dispose of them in a way that they'd never been found because it seems to me that he probably like buried them pretty close to um, the house and he probably like buried them. I don't think he like tossed them to the swamp and hoped that the gators would take care of them. Did you miss where, where the bodies were? No, where, oh, they were in the place where they used to go as kids. That's yeah, where they were. The little cave thing. That's right. Yeah. Which, I mean, it did say early on that, yes, the bodies were never found, but they found, like, pieces of clothes and bones, like, I don't know, I guess separated. Like, they thought animals might have gotten to them and, like, fragments uh-huh. of hair and stuff, but they didn't find the whole bodies. Yeah. I thought the same thing. Like, when it said at the end that he had put, Cooper had put them down in that little cave that when they were kids, Cooper would have tied a rope around Chloe's foot so she didn't fall all the way in. Yeah. Like, that's, I mean, I wonder if they were to go back and, like, excavate the cave, if they would have found the rest of the bodies or, or if they would drag them out at that point. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But I thought that was interesting at the end. I was like, they've been in the cave the whole time. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. You can't trust caves, I'm telling you. I will not go in a cave. (laughs) <laughs> i've been in a cave once and it was fun but you still can't trust them <laughs> um i don't i forgot about that yeah that they they the bodies have been just like stuck where they hung out as kids which also is kind of not nice of cooper <laughs> like i know he's already ruined all of their childhood memories by being a murderer but still <laughs> like, to yeah. put them in the place that he shared with his sister is not very nice of them can you imagine if chloe had been like just going for a walk in the woods and was like, oh yeah, I remember we used to play in this cave and like went and checked it out and holy cow, there's eight bodies down there. <laughs> Be wild. Bodies, yeah. Um, but hey, what, what can you do? Yeah. Um, I want to talk just for a second about the setting before uh, we wrap up too much. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to say that I think we both thought, so the town that she was, that Chloe is originally from is called Brobridge. Uh, both thought that that was uh, not a real town when we were reading through this book or listening to it. Um, uh-huh. To say that Brobridge very much so is a real place, as it turns out, and is in fact the crawfish capital of the world, um, according to the Louisiana House of Representatives. But I mean, they, they're the authority, so. I don't think I've ever had crawfish. Well, that was going to be one of my questions because I've definitely had it since I had it once in college. One of the frats at Vandy's campus did a crawfish boil. Mm-hmm. Um, like since moving down to Alabama, like I've had it multiple times. Um, and they're, I mean, they're good, but they're also not great. <laughs> I don't think it's worth the work, um, but they're pretty good, particularly when it's in like something else, like an etouffee or a bisque or something and not just like um, a crawfish boil. Yeah. <laughs> but if you ever do want some Brobridge is the place to go yeah so part of the reason why we might not have believed it was a real place in my head I was spelling it B-R-O bridge mm-hmm. um, which obviously is not true because it's B-R-E-A-U-X which yes. is um, what is that French yeah okay that's what I thought um, you both listened to the audiobook version right mm-hmm. what did you think of the audiobook overall talk against the narrator um i i looked up her name 
she is she read the book well but like her voice and her tone were even for her actual narration but i think she was a very poor choice for this book um like any of the voices she gave for any of the men um funny i thought the voice she gave for the men all sounded the same no matter which man it was (laughs) yeah it was all like kind of a cajun-y accent but what was weird to me was that she like spoke normally for her for her own narration but i was like in my mind like chloe also has to have this deep south accent that you're just leaving out from all of her uh speaking parts so like i definitely think they could have chosen someone better (laughs) i i didn't even think about that with chloe i just at one point at the end when she finds Riley's body like drugged up and still alive but barely mm-hmm. and she hears somebody behind her say Chloe and she <laughs> and she's like but it wasn't Daniel's voice it made me laugh because I was like that sounds exactly like the voice she's doing for Daniel and Cooper and Aaron and <laughs> the dad and like any other man in the story they all sound exactly the same it's like kind of country and slow drawn out but Mm -hmm. also like very obviously not a real man talking (laughs) no and not a very good louisiana accent either like in my mind i i wish that have you seen um knives out um it's been a while but yes okay but you know um what's his face's character the detective like his voice uh not off the top of my head but okay but he's got like a deep louisiana accent and that's what i wanted from her for all the characters in this book like maybe not while she was reading just like the narration Mm -hmm. but all of the voices and all the dialogue i think should have been more like that Um, but yeah yeah i was not too thrilled with her um her men's voicing but the first time she said something in the man's voice it made me laugh because i was like that's so obviously a woman trying to do a man's voice yeah (laughs) other than that I I think which I mean the story itself to me flowed at a fast enough pace that like I got through the audiobook in like two days yeah Uh, which normally I'm a very slow reader and a lot of times I listen to books kind of slowly too um but like every time I got in the car or like was working whatever I was like oh let me listen to a little bit more of it because it's so good yeah, I was I was excited to continue listening to it. Yeah, me too. Though yeah. I do I do listen at like I think I'm at one point two times speed right now um, on all my audiobooks, so it is like slightly faster. But <laughs> I can't handle that. I have to have it at normal speed. <laughs> I can't handle normal speed. My brain's like, why are you talking this slow? Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about with the book? I I loved it. Like I thought it was good overall. Um, so. Yeah other oh so sophie sophie Mm. is daniel's little sister she left home at 13 with the help of daniel like he gave her some money and put her on a greyhound bus where the heck did she go she's 13 like you can't get a job at 13 you can't rent a house or an apartment at 13 and how did her school not notice that she was missing even if the parents didn't yeah i don't that was (laughs) absolutely wild underdeveloped in my opinion but yeah, I mean, like, I'm glad she made it out and whatnot. I yeah. think it was kind of, like, I know she was trying to get out of the situation, but it's kind of shitty for, um, you know, to, like, try and pin this on a serial killer. Um, I mean, it actually is kind of smart, though, like, if, since that's going on in the area. Do we know how close Daniel and Chloe would have lived from each other as kids? I think they didn't know each other. So it, it had to have been in the area, but not the same town. 
But, like, Daniel's family lived in Brobridge or close to it? Yeah. Okay. I, I think I missed that part. Um, yeah. I I thought it was actually kind of a genius plan. Like, oh, it must have been the serial killer that got her or something <laughs> like that. But, like, just the... <laughs> The logistics of where are you going to go when you get on the Greyhound bus? I was like, what the heck yeah. is going on? <laughs> At 13, like in the year, like the late 90s, right? Because it's this Nine. is contemporary yep. now. Um, So like, yeah. Like I don't, even then, maybe in the 70s she could have gotten away with it as a 13-year-old, but. Yeah, she could have like washed dishes or maybe had a serving job. But where are you going to live at 13? Yeah, that is it's very suspicious. I'm glad, I'm glad she was okay though. So. Yeah, definitely. But I just thought that that plot line was a little underdeveloped. But then again, it wasn't the main part of the story. So whatever. Yeah. I think she was definitely just trying, the author, um, William, was just definitely trying to throw us a, a red herring to get us to think more about Daniel. Yeah, yeah. Um, and sure. they, yeah, it could have been a little bit better, but. Okay. Expect Chloe to kill Aaron? No. I didn't either. That was like a shock for me. I was like, oh my gosh, she just, like, she shot him for real? Yeah she's gonna have even more trauma now <laughs> yeah like i felt kind of bad about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i thought she was gonna into her purse and get the pepper spray not the gun <laughs> yeah i wasn't expecting her to have the gun yeah so. i was yeah <laughs> i don't know that was that caught me by surprise and i kind of wish she hadn't i wish she'd gone to jail or something but yeah yeah um the only other note that i have is um that the ending was tied up nicely and not left on a cliffhanger mm-hmm so it actually reminded me quite a lot of All Good People Here by Ashley Flowers because that book, it talks about like something that happened 20 years ago and then it also jumps to the present, which is now, and it like follows the same girl. So it kind of had a similarity in that way, even though it was a totally different storyline. Mm-hmm. But I liked that this one, it wrapped everything up where you saw that, uh, well, also, did you think Cooper died or did he go to jail? He had to have gone to jail, right? too because like yes she drugged his drink to make him not be able to attack her um never said for sure and i think i was reading something online um or maybe it was in the um book club discussion questions that willingham has on her website Mm -hmm. somewhere it said do you think cooper died or did he go to jail i'm like oh i never even thought about that but i think he went to jail too but anyway i like that she wrapped up everything nicely where we see that daniel broke things off and he goes to live with sophie and um chloe gives the ring back to sophie yeah probably goes to jail aaron's longer with us (laughs) presumably her father gets out of jail and gets a nice settlement from the state i hope yeah um yeah i don't know i thought it was yeah definitely a very hopeful ending um i think in my mind there's like a small chance that like chloe and daniel aren't necessarily like done done for good but i also don't really know that i thought that they had that strong of a connection so like in my mind at the end of the story and this was another discussion question of like what do you think is next for chloe Mm -hmm. like i think that she's hopefully just gonna like take a small break and then just like go about her normal life (laughs) just like needs to move she needs to move far away from louisiana (laughs) it's like go be a psychologist just take things slow don't get engaged again or make any big life decisions yeah i did think it was funny at the end when it was like today is my wedding day and i was like oh i guess she decided to go through with it after she found out daniel wasn't the murderer but they (laughs) didn't which i think yeah yeah, definitely a better choice (laughs) on their parts (laughs) yeah yeah no i think 
But yeah, I was very happy that it did not end on a cliffhanger of like, like if she would have ended it with Chloe shooting Aaron and then that was the end, I would have been very upset. Yeah. How it ended. Um, So I'm glad that it actually wrapped everything up and we figured out all along that it was Cooper. Yep. Which, of course, I knew. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, do we want to rate this one? Yeah, I'll let you pick the scale. Oh, goodness. Out of five diamond pearl earrings found in a graveyard. (laughs) How many do you give this? (laughs) I'm going to go five. Wow. I really really liked this one. If I had to rate the audiobook, I would give it four out of five because the narrator. Yeah. the the story overall very well put together a very very good debut novel I'll yes add her other ones to my list if they're anything like this one sure she's gonna be a very successful author yes i hope so and she's also like young she's like our age so i yeah she's i think i looked it up and she's like two years older than us maybe, yeah. maybe. but yeah she's doing big things with yeah, loving the next generation of authors <laughs> Oh, I also saw on her events page on her website that she's doing a meet and greet at Isle of Palms. <gasps> she lives in Charleston area. And I was like, oh, I guess this is our reason to go back to Isle of Palms. Yeah. Let's go. Take us back. <laughs> yeah. No. But what would you give it? Uh, I think like a solid, maybe like a four, three, four, four. Mm, okay. Quite a bit of difference. Yeah, it was very good, but I, I think I did see maybe a little bit too much of the plot coming. Um, but I, again, like I wanted to read it every time I started listening to it. So, yeah, she had me fooled. Yeah, definitely <laughs> worth it. <laughs> yeah, I, I like too that, like, like we said, it wasn't so predictable. And, like, even though you knew, even though you guessed I, it early no. on. But all that I guessed was that Cooper did it. I like I didn't really think that Aaron was going to like be a copycat. So like I definitely didn't get that whole bit, you know? Yeah. But like even though you guessed it early on, like you said, it still had you guessing, like, oh, could it be somebody else? Could it be that person? Whatever. I don't know. I thought it was very well done. Highly recommend. Yes. Should read. (laughs) If you've made it this far, I hope you have. (laughs) Yeah. it this far we ruined it for you but you should still listen to it you should still listen to it it's still worth it uh i'm sure we left out like a million different bits you know we didn't even talk about burt Rhodes, but whatever no, don't <laughs> even get me started on him pick our next book yes so if you um have read the book where'd you go bernadette i think it's like seven eight years old now maybe um third maria semple i think is how you say her name um second book today will be different which is supposed to be a good read and supposed to be funny and it's been on my list for a while so and it's on the shorter side i think it's only like 270 pages or something so um get your copy from your library it should be available because it came out like seven years ago um and join us for december's book club nice and then what is our short story series that we're going to start next if you hadn't asked me i could have told you (laughs) something about women southern ladies something something about southern ladies thanks for joining us on this episode of marianne and wanda we would love to hear your feedback and if you have any books or topics for us to review you can reach us at marianne and wanda podcast on instagram or send us an email at marianne and wanda podcast at gmail.com talk to you later Bye. bye